We're now learning that icy worlds seem to be the best places in the solar system where life could be hiding. Worlds like Europa and Enceladus, which have vast oceans of liquid water beneath a shell of water ice. And just in the last year, astrobiologists announced that hardy forms of Earth life should be able to thrive in these oceans, feeding off hydrogen gas emanating from deep sea vents. Clearly, we need to explore these worlds, to go deep down beneath the ice, to explore the ocean depths. But how do you drill through kilometers of ice to reach it? Sometimes, the universe is trying to tell me something. I've been going back and forth with viewers about how a lander submarine to Europa would work. How would it drill into the ice, communicate with the surface, etc. And I've been giving you bits and pieces, but clearly this needed to be an episode, so let's do it. Today, I'm going to talk about a plan that folks with NASA put together on exactly how a mission to Europa would work. It was done as part of NASA's Innovative Advanced Concepts Program. The plan is called Europa, which stands for Exploration of Under Ice Regions with Ocean Profiling Agents. Europa. Get it? It's, it's very meta. The study was originally put together back in July 2013. We reported on it for Universe Today and so did many other sites out there. But it didn't go any further, which is a shame because it's an awesome plan. So let's get into it. Europa is the smallest of Jupiter's Galilean moons. and It orbits Jupiter at a distance of about 680,000 kilometers, about twice the distance from the Earth to the moon. It takes about three and a half days to complete an orbit. Because of the massive gravity from Jupiter, Europa and the rest of the Galilean moons travel around the planet in a lockstep orbital resonance. For every orbit made by Ganymede, Europa circles Jupiter twice, and Io goes around four times. And this powerful gravity has another effect, tidal interactions with its moons. In the most extreme, there's Io, which experiences huge flexing from Jupiter that massive volcanoes cover its surface firing geysers of molten rock high into space. The same tidal forces are happening with Europa, but because it's further out, the heating maintains a vast liquid ocean of water on the world. When NASA's Voyager spacecraft flew past Europa, it revealed a world covered in fresh ice with very few craters. Huge, dark lines seem to indicate that the ice is shifting and cracking like plate tectonic activity here on Earth. And somewhere down there, there's liquid water. NASA's Galileo spacecraft mapped Europa as best it could. According to estimates from planetary scientists, the interior of Europa consists of a layer of ice and water that measures 115 kilometers thick, surrounding a rock mantle. The ice probably measures 40 kilometers thick, but there's reason to believe it could be even closer to the surface in some areas. In the last year, astronomers have discovered geysers of water spewing into space. And most likely, it's not a solid sheet of ice, but has regions where warm water upwells and other areas where the ice goes deeper. Locally melted areas where asteroids crashed into it and frictionally melted areas where cracks are located. As you probably heard me say a few hundred times now, wherever we find liquid water on Earth, we find life. So 
also the watery depths of Europa and the other icy worlds in the solar system seem to be the perfect place to go looking for alien life. We've done a whole video about the prospects of life on icy worlds and how there could be thousands of times more worlds like this than terrestrial worlds in the habitable zones of stars in the Milky Way. And I'll link to that here and in the show notes if you haven't seen it already. Let's talk about the practical plan to actually get under the ice on Europa. In the original study, they proposed using a space launch system rocket, which we're still waiting to see when the first launch is going to happen. The Block 1 configuration would be capable of carrying 10 metric tons to Europa without the hassle of gravity assist, just a direct launch. Now, they'd probably use the Falcon Heavy or maybe even wait for the SpaceX BFR to enjoy the cost savings. Flight time from Earth to Europa would take about two years. The minimal plan would send a single lander, and if the budgets flow, there could be up to four landers, each exploring a different region on Europa. One of the big risks to a mission to Jupiter is the charged environment around it. All spacecraft would need to be able to discharge themselves on a regular basis to prevent any damage to their electronics. Once they arrived at Europa, the landers would touch down at 45 degrees south of the equator. The highest priority would be to start drilling into the ice immediately. Because it's so close to Jupiter, Europa receives an enormous amount of radiation from the giant planet. The surface of Europa is exposed to 15 kilorads per day of radiation. Just for comparison, an astronaut on the surface of Mars would accumulate about 6 kilorads a year. So it's bad. In fact, the survival of the lander base station in the harsh environment of Jupiter would probably decide the overall length of the mission. In a second, I'm going to talk about what happens after the lander set foot on the surface of Europa. But first, I'd like to thank Hubert Sosniak, Brandon Luzaides, Marzian Organization, Annie McCaslin, and the rest of our 810 patrons for the generous support. If you love what we're doing, you want to get in on the action, head over to patreon.com slash universe today. And when we last left our heroes, they had just landed on Europa and were about to deploy drills to get beneath the thick ice shell. The landers would start drilling immediately to get as much of themselves under the ice as possible. Just a meter underneath the ice and they would be exposed to one millionth less radiation. Now I say drill, but that's not exactly the best way to describe it. Each lander would deploy a cryobot which would be equipped with either a fission reactor, like the 30 or so space missions launched by Russians, or a radioisotope heating unit, or RHU, a massive decayed isotope. This would concentrate the heat at the tip of the melt probe, creating a thick layer of meltwater around it. And then the probe would slowly sink into the ice by gravity. Guiding the probe down through the ice would be a challenge, but one idea is to use a pool of mercury at the hot point of the probe. The heat would keep the mercury melted, but if it tipped over too far, the mercury would collect at the bottom of the point and help align it back to vertical. If this sounds like science fiction, smaller probes like this have actually been built and tested to help explore the ice in Greenland. The University of Washington Applied Physics Laboratory has built the Ice Diver, which can descend straight down through ice at a speed of 10 meters per hour, spooling a cable behind it. 
You can even speed up this process, spraying jets of hot water in front of the melt probe. In the beginning, progress would be slow. The ice in the borehole would be open to space and need enough energy to sublimate. Once it got deep enough, the tunnel would collapse, the pressure would increase, and then the cryobot would melt down through the ice sheet. The cryobot would slowly melt its way down through the ice, reeling out a fiber optic tether which connects to a surface transmitter. Since radio signals can't penetrate the ice, this would be its only way to get information back to Earth. The tether would come from inside the cryobot and would freeze in place in the borehole, trapping and protecting it. And this tether would actually be pretty lightweight, only five kilograms for 10 kilometers of length. A small cryobot, just 25 centimeters in diameter and 2.5 meters long, might need a year to descend through 10 kilometers of ice, while a much larger 50 centimeter in diameter one and five meters long might need up to four years. Once the cryobot detected that it had reached liquid water and the bottom of the ice sheet, it would deploy underwater gliders called hydrobots. Assuming the currents aren't too strong down there under the ice, they wouldn't even need a propulsion system. They just slowly glide as they drift through the shifting water columns. But if that doesn't work, they can always have propellers. Underwater gliders have been tested successfully here in the Earth's oceans, and you can buy them in Kickstarters. Each cryobot could contain up to four hydrobots, each of which would have a specialized job, examining the ocean, the ice, the seafloor, or searching for life. Over the course of the mission, the hydrobots would explore their surroundings, mapping out the movements of the ocean. The tidal interactions with Jupiter keep the oceans from freezing, but do they create currents under the ice? What's it like right at the boundary between the liquid water and the ice? How dense is the ice, and how does it shift around? The hydrobots would dive down to the ocean floor and see what kinds of geologic processes are going on down there. And of course, they would perform an exhaustive search for life. They'd start by identifying the big requirements for life, liquid water, energy sources, and chemical building blocks, and then search for the chemical byproducts of life, finally looking for actual life forms. We can expect they would find environments similar to the hydrothermal vents we have here on Earth at the bottom of the oceans, ecosystems which are fully self-contained and completely separate from the surface and the top of the ocean. Now, I'm not saying there'd be European space whales, but come on, European space whales. The cryobot could harvest energy from the tidal flows that move across the ice ocean region, recharging its batteries, which could then use to recharge the hydrobots. Using the system, the mission could remain active under the ice for much longer. It's important to note that planetary protection is one of the most important considerations of a mission like this. Since the oceans of Europa could be so conducive to life, any Earth organisms could get a free ride to colonize it. The mission planners mentioned a few important ways to deal with that. Of course, everything needs to be cleaned as much as possible before it leaves Earth. Helpfully, the surface of Europa is bathed in trapped radiation from Jupiter's magnetosphere. You think the Van Allen belts are bad, Jupiter's belts are way worse. It might make sense to remain on the surface for a few months to give the radiation environment more time to sterilize the spacecraft. Also, the nuclear power plant on board the spacecraft could be used to further sterilize everything, could jettison its radiation shielding and roast any surviving microbes. As I mentioned earlier, 
This proposal was originally written up during the 2013 NASA Advanced Innovative Concept Series of Studies. Since then, NASA has committed to the Europa Clipper mission, which should launch sometime between 2022 and 2025. And it'll take three years to get to Europa, and then another three years to study its surface and the structure of the ice. So maybe in the early 2030s, NASA will be ready to follow up with the Cryobot Hydrobot Europa mission to Europa. I can't wait. Well, what do you think? Is it time to revisit this strategy and send the exploration of under ice regions with the ocean profiling agents to Europa? Let me know your thoughts in the comments. Once a week, I gather up all my space news into a single email newsletter and send it out. It's got pictures, brief highlights about the story, and links so you can find out more. Go to universetoday.com newsletter to sign up. In our next episode, we talk about lava tubes on the Moon and Mars. These are the best places to explore and survive on the surface of these other worlds. That's next time. And finally, here's a playlist.